So not too long ago, I held this workshop at WPPI where I gave my top 30 creative strategies to get photography clients as fast as possible without paid ads. And it killed it. It sold out. It was incredible. I've been sitting on it for a little while and I've decided to bring it back, to bring it back and to give it directly to you. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to pay anything either. I just want to help you grow your business each day for three days. I'm going to share with you 10 ultra unique creative ways to attract dream clients to your photography business without spending a bunch of money. I'm calling this thing the three day client blitz and it is pure gold for three days. I'm going to give you so many creative ideas to get clients in your business right now. Just go to sixfigurephotography.com forward slash blitz six S I X six figure photography.com forward slash blitz b l i t z i can't wait to give you some incredible ideas you're listening to the six figure photography podcast with ben hartley where we help you grow your business by winning more bookings maximizing your profits and breaking through limiting beliefs. If you would like to get early access months in advance to future episodes of the podcast and to see any visuals that we're going to re be referencing here, um, Darcy actually has a number of uh, visuals we will be referencing in today's episode. Head over to benhartley.com forward slash mastermind, benhartley.com forward slash mastermind. Join, we're getting close to 19,000. Join about 19,000 photographers over there in that group. Just search for Darcy's name, D-A-R-C-Y, Darcy, and you will get uh, a video of this episode with all the references. So today, I've already let you know, we got Darcy Benincosa with us. She's a photographer out in Utah. She teaches women how to make more money travel the world, live life on purpose. Fantastic, incredible photographer. And we're talking all about creating a profitable portfolio. Darcy, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's so fun to be here, to be in your community. You have such a fun community with so much growth mindset and people who really want to take their lives and businesses to the next level. And that's what I want to talk about today. They are an incredible group. The, the, yeah, the photography community that I seem to have gathered, uh, they're really, yeah, they're just beautiful people. Darcy, so um, we're going to be talking about creating a profitable portfolio. Um, before we get to that, let's get a little bit, I, I don't want to spend too much time here because you've got so many actionable steps in regards to things that people can uh, almost check themselves against. Um, mm. but I'd love to still have a little bit of an understanding of how you arrived to the seat that you're in today. If we were to go high level with it and kind of hit the high points, how did you get to here? Okay, let's see. Um, I started my business over 10 years ago. I was a school teacher and I was doing photography in the summer as just like my hobby and just super fun. And I remember I took a workshop from a man named John Canlis. If anybody knows him, he used to run a workshop called the Find Workshop. Film is not dead. I'm a majority film shooter. I do know that and one. Yeah. When I went to it, I was just being a school teacher making 50K a year. And he opened up and showed me how much money he was making a year as a photographer. And I could not believe it because I kind of believed that, you know, photographers never made any money or it took a really long time to make money. And so 
once I took that workshop, I was pretty determined to become a photographer. I really wanted to travel the world, do destination weddings, those big dreams of, you know, having the ultimate freedom. When you work for yourself, it's the ultimate freedom. So um, fast forward, I had already been studying a lot of marketing and was doing some weddings and I just took all my marketing knowledge and I went from $16,000 my first year to $120,000 my second year through a lot of marketing and portfolio strategies that just made me skyrocket like that. And I grew very fast, very quickly, and it's continued to grow since then. And I continue to expand the business and bring on employees and expand the ways, have passive income. So I shoot and teach and um, it's really beautiful. It's like my dream life. I love this. This is awesome. Now, um, you do a little bit of commercial work as well outside of weddings. What all do you have your hands in exactly? Yeah. So I started with commercial. The thing about weddings, I have a little bit of a type A personality. A little bit means a lot to type A people. (laughs) Um, I'm a type A person. And so the hardest thing about being a wedding or portrait photographer or something is you never quite know when the inquiries will come in. And they're usually a one-time inquiry with weddings, right? They, they're only getting married once generally. Um, with commercial work, I found that I could get recurring clients. And so for me, the first leg of my business that I wanted to build was $50,000 recurring income in commercial work because I knew I could live off of $50,000. I had done it for over a decade as a school teacher and I wanted it to be recurring and always being able to be counted on. So then I could grow the wedding side without worrying about the ups and downs, because, you know, I think the most stressful part of being a wedding or portrait is you just never know when those inquiries are going to come in. And it's always that waiting game of, am I going to get an inquiry today? Am I not? Obviously there's tons of marketing things you can do to guarantee you get inquiries, but I found that commercial, I didn't have to keep hustling for the, the clients, the new clients. I could take a client and have them come back year after year after year. So I grew that avenue first. Which has more of your heart? My personal work. <laughs> <laughs> but that's cheating. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay, so tell me more about your personal work, though. Tell me more. Yeah, I mean, I got custody of my niece when she was two years old and I've been documenting her life ever since. Mm. And it's all on film. A lot of it is on expired Polaroid film that isn't made anymore. And she just has this beautiful collection. A lot of it is my travel. I mean, listen, I get to go shoot weddings off of cliff sides in Italy. So that obviously has my heart commercial work. There's a lot more personality sometime to deal with and it can be really tricky. So I've had some commercial jobs where I've just hated it or some commercial jobs where I've been the only woman on set. And so then they're like, go get the coffee, you know, and that kind of aspect, some commercial jobs where I get to be the complete creative genius and director. So it really depends on the job, but I am of the general disposition that I say yes only to jobs that I like now. So I pretty much like all the things that I do. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, when, when, would you say that there was um, any like defining moment that you feel like th- you took the turn on? And maybe um, to give an example, you know, I was over here hustling in Ohio for uh, th- you know a couple years, 
until there was this one wedding that I did. It was like, there were 600 people there, this outdoor barn wedding. And there was something about everything that just kind of clicked for me at that session, that photography session, I feel like changed everything for me. And from that point on, I've been on like a nice upward trajectory and figuring this whole thing out. Was there a mm-hmm. moment like that for you where you were at a session, you were in a moment and you realized I like, I've got it. Um, there were kind of two moments. So first I started out working at the Sundance film festival, which means some of my early portfolio had Nicole Kidman in it Mm. and Joseph Gordon Levitt and Steve Carell and Matthew good. And like, I was photographing celebrities. And so that obviously gives you a little bit more, um, I guess merit, like people take your more seriously when you've, when you photographed big names. And then I got a portfolio review. I had somebody who I really honestly trusted, look at my work and he tore it apart. (laughs) And I went back after that portfolio review and I cleaned up my entire website. I deleted every image that was not in alignment. I could see my images differently Hmm. and I read it. And this is when the feed really mattered. It was before Insta Stories. (laughs) or any video. And within two weeks after doing that, I got contacted by the director of photography for Sports Illustrated Magazine. And he hired me to work on all the winter Olympian shoots for the Olympics. And um, that was that was huge. That was a big turning point for me. I quit my day job at that point and just was like, I'm all in. I'm doing this photography thing. We're going to make it happen. I love that. I wonder how many photographers have been contacted by the director of Sports Illustrated and then thought it was spam. And they're like, another spam request. You know what I mean? How there's always like that, that person like, I'm reaching out to you from Forbes magazine. Uh, yeah, or something. Um, yeah, I took it very seriously. I went into his office in New York and I knew I had to show a portfolio. This is why I teach a lot about portfolios because yeah. I had never worked for a commercial job. So I printed my, 50 of my best images on like fine art paper on an Epson printer. Mm -hmm. I presented it in this portfolio box. And when I walked into the office and presented it, he kind of chuckled. He's like, not a lot of people print out their portfolios anymore. I'm like, oh, what do they do? He's like, they usually just hand me their iPad. And I was like, oh, (laughs) whoops. But he loved it because he, oh, and I saw, I think my microphone stopped. Sorry, I saw him. Uh, make piles. You can't do that on an iPad. And I could see the ones he was liking and the ones he wasn't resonating with. And then he narrowed it down to like four and he was like, this is what we're looking for. And so even from that portfolio review, I got the first time I went in and he, everybody's always giving you a portfolio review, whether you know it or not. Mm. And it really pays to pay attention to that because the four he chose were not my favorite four, Hmm. but I talked with him about why he chose those four and what he was wanting from what the project that he was hiring me to do. And, um, I learned so much about how other people are perceiving my work versus how I'm perceiving it. And I started learning how to curate more of what my couples wanted. I still kind of get bummed to this day. Some of my favorite images barely get any likes. And some of the images I'm like, really, this one is like the thing, you know, but it's really important to know what people react to when you're putting your work out there. I relate so much to this on a couple of regards. First off, I love that you printed your work and you brought it in a physical portfolio. 
It's so cool. You know, being an art kid and being an oil painter, like this is how it was always done. I have my physical portfolio. I remember trying to get into art school. I had to do a portfolio review uh, yeah. with the art school to see if, the, you know, they'd let me in. Um, and so this world of reviews is something I'm so accustomed to. Um, you spoke about being aware of what other people are responding to and, and you having the director of, uh, I was going to say ESPN, the director of Sports Illustrated, there it is, uh, be able to give his feedback. What yeah. do you say to someone who doesn't have that type of a, a, a prestigious role to offer feedback? Where do we find people that we can trust to actually give us valuable feedback for our own portfolios? So I heard the best piece of advice in the whole world and I've always followed it. Only take advice from people you want to become. That's why I don't listen to my parents. Let's say <laughs> I don't again. Want their advice. You said only, only take, take advice, advice mm -hmm. from people you want to become. Hmm. Too many of us take advice from people we don't even like their lives mm -hmm. just because they're related to us. So I would say for a portfolio review, one, Find somebody who has a killer portfolio and pay them their hourly rate to go through with you only if they will actually be honest. I have paid for two portfolio reviews right at the beginning of my career. Mm -hmm. One was a very high end wedding. I won't go into who, but it was an expensive investment for me. And they just were like, that's nice. Oh, that's nice. Like they were just playing the nice game. Mm. And I was like, but you're not taking any of my weddings for publication. So I need to know. And they just didn't want to hurt my feelings. Hmm. Then I went and got the second one a week later. Cause I told him how bad the first one was. And he's like, I'll tell you the truth. And he did. And some, some of it, I like, you get a little sensitive. Cause you're like, Oh really? It's that bad, you know? <laughs> but like, I've always not taken offense to honest feedback. So find somebody honest. I also have a course that goes, exactly through how to narrow down your portfolio, how to build your portfolio when all your weddings are budget weddings, um, and how to build them up into those five figure weddings, like step-by-step step how I did it. Cause I did it really fast. Is there, um, is, is it just an invitation to just say like, Hey, uh, don't hold back. Like, tell me exactly, you know, wh what you think about this? Like, you don't need to worry about hurting my feelings. Is that just the invitation? Yeah. Like I always say, there's a phrase, another phrase I heard, it's better to ask for a slap in the face than a pat on the back. So if we just want to be told how great we are, we're never going to grow. Hmm. Like our egos and our sensitivity need to be open enough that somebody can tell us some harsh things. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a coach, you're a coach. I assume you probably, you know, you're running a mastermind, you're coaching all the time. People come to me because I am so forthright and so honest. I deliver it it's, I always say it's tough love emphasis on the love, but you need to find somebody who's not just going to sugarcoat it and who can really see. And people who have done that have like, they've booked their next, somebody who did it to book their next $10,000 wedding, their first $10,000 wedding within two weeks of going over and remaking their whole portfolio on their site and how they're presenting themselves. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I've seen a trend and I'm, and I'm curious as we're thinking about portfolio, what, how you would define portfolio. And so I've got a few questions for this. The first okay. one would be, um, 
on the website, having a, a, a gallery of like a single wedding, right? Do you, do you consider that the portfolio or is a portfolio individual photographs put together? Like what do you, what do you categorize as a portfolio? Uh, for me, the portfolio is the collection of work that people have access to. So you're only as good as your worst image out there. So unfortunately your weddings from 10 years ago, people can still access them, right? Mm-hmm. That's why I've always shot film. I don't use a lot of heavy presets. I make sure my look is really timeless. And then you have certain, then you can niche those down. For example, when I have somebody inquiring for a European wedding, I have a gallery specific of European weddings, all the highlights that I put into a portfolio on an online gallery. It's a little too robust for my website. And I send that to them. So there's a lot of ways you can use your portfolio. The way you organize your images within the portfolio make a lot of difference. Like I always get accepted for publication within 10 minutes because I know how to organize those first 10 photos so that the person wanting the publication can give me an immediate yes. And most people don't know that. They just kind of send over a ton of images hoping that they'll send over everything. They don't know how to curate it. So your portfolio is all your images, but curating it is how you piece it together One, on your homepage, that's one of the most important places you have it. Two, how you're positioning it on Instagram and how you're putting those all together. Three, how you're putting it into galleries so that your your future customers can consume it easily, effortlessly, and with an immediate knowledge that you know what you're doing. Hmm. So what makes for a a profitably curated portfolio? Can we bite-size this down a little bit? Yeah, well, I can show you some before and afters because I think this is pretty visual. Is that good? Can yeah, it's great. And that? podcast listeners, again, if you're if you're tuning into this and you're wanting to uh, see some of the references, we're going to do our best to also explain what it is that we're talking about. But if you want the visual cues, again, head over to benhartley.com forward slash mastermind where you get to see the video of all of uh, what Darcy here is going to be sharing. So, so Darcy, we have some before and afters. And and as we're talking about this, the before is going to be the before you started to curate what it was. So what are we looking at here? So I've shown my work at the beginning versus my work now. And I show you a $1,200 wedding versus a $12,000 wedding. And just showing you how I have chosen the images. So you can see the image on the left. One, it's cool temperature. One of the biggest issues people have with their portfolio is they don't find consistent enough lighting. So it looks like 10 different photographers have taken the images. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they go really warm. Sometimes they go really cool. You know, obviously the background on the left is completely blown out. You have a gate on the right and some neon orange greens, which I really try to avoid. Now you can see the image on the right. The greens are very muted. You can see I've cut off his foot on the left right? Like there's, there are do's and don'ts for where you crop a body to give it an elevated look. You can see his arm is cutting across her and hiding her arm. So it looks like they share an arm Uh bad, (laughs) right? So, and then you can see the image on the, on the right, obviously it's the same type of pose walking up a stairs, but it just has that elevated look. I also really help curate, um, wardrobe. So you can see on the on the left, she's wearing like this kind of trendy headband. And I really, I really advocate for not doing trendy fashion things because they are not timeless. Here's another one. You can see almost the exact same pose, but one is elevated and one looks really bad. One, I'm shooting her too high up. 
Her arm, her elbow is cropped. Her arm is too far away from her body. You see on the right, she, we've brought the elbow in. So a lot of curating a beautiful portfolio, you kind of have like, I knew how to start posing. I knew, I mean, this woman's beautiful, but I wasn't paying close enough attention. The background is crooked. She's got a messy background, one that is not beautiful. And if you can see, my biggest mistake was this branch going in front of her body. <laughs> Like I legit like wasn't even paying a lot of attention to that because I was so focused on her face. I wasn't playing into how the rest of it looked where you look on the right. I've got the bouquet in the lines are straight. She's still in a beautiful kind of surrender pose, but it's in and the dress is elevated. The location is elevated. It's just the difference here between a $1,200 wedding and my $12,000 wedding. Again, this was my very first invite shot. I'm so ashamed of it. <laughs> you can see like I have grass in it. I just threw the boutonniere and it's the largest boutonniere in the entire world on an envelope versus one I took, you know, last year where I've curated the shot. I've organized it. I've learned to style it. My weddings want a lot of these stylized things. Um, a lot of this beautiful keepsake fine art imagery. So this was a $12,000 wedding versus a $1,200 wedding. So you can just kind of go through, this is kind of, so I found poses that sort of equal each other. You can see on the left, messy background. I try to avoid yellows. I think yellows are really tricky. So if you look at my brand, it's a lot of cool. I'm cooler. I do a lot of pinks, a lot of grays, a lot of neutrals. Um, you can see the way I'm posing him. Her knees are going into his stomach. There's no connection. There's no elegance. There's, you know, I really didn't know what I was doing to pose them here. This was honestly one of my very first engagement sessions. Mm -hmm. And then on the right, I've framed in this beautiful connection. One thing I love to do is find the body parts you love to photograph. I really love legs. So you can see on the right, I'll do whatever I can to get a woman crossing her legs in the photo because I think the legs are really beautiful. Mm -hmm. And you can see she's like leaning into him in such a deeper connected way. And then I've used negative space, which I've realized I don't like these middle shots. I really like either close up or negative space a lot of the time. So we're almost done, but this is another one, the 1200 versus 12,000. On the 1200 one, I'm shooting straight up her nose, which is not flattering pose for any woman. I don't have her sitting in a comfortable position. You know, her butt's kind of sitting out a little bit. She's stiff. Her shoulders are stiff. She's not quite sure what to do with her hands because I wasn't sure what to do with her hands. Mm -hmm a little crooked. I didn't leave enough space around the dress there versus the other one where I have them, you know, again, you see, you see her legs because I like to have legs showing. Um, the other one, I didn't know that at the time. So there's no legs showing, but you start to develop your signature look when you can repeat a couple of your favorite things to do, then people will immediately know, oh, that's a Darcy Benincosa photo. It just has that. Here's the difference between bouquets. You can see in the upper photo the bridesmaids are clutching the bouquets with what i call the clutch of death <laughs> if you're and i, I didn't this is know worth it going uh and looking at the actual video of this alone yeah, just to see, see the the, the grip on these flowers yeah and you know that's one thing i learned like 
a couple months in, I'm like, I have to teach the bridesmaids how to gently hold. And now what I try to do is not even show their hands too much. Like you see how gentle the, the photo is. The photo on the right is like literally one of my favorite photos I've ever taken. It's one of the most beautiful weddings I've ever shot. And I, you can see I changed up. I've created a V shape so the bride goes down the one to her left and then they go up. It's so much more pretty to have a V shape to your bouquets than just like a straight line across. Obviously there's no organization in the one at the top. You can tell I had no, I just was like, hold up your bouquets, right? This was like my third or fourth wedding. So here's another one. This one cracks me up because her dress is completely, there are no highlights. Like I just overexposed it on digital and it was a beautiful dress and she is a beautiful woman and she just looks like a white blob. Like what a disservice to her. I took a lot of other photos that she liked, but this one was just horrible. And I have the messy background. I have that tree coming in. And what I try now to do with my portraits is find a place with arches or perspective. I've realized as an artist, I'm a painter too. You said you you're a painter. I started out as a painter. So I really love finding perspective points, having clear backgrounds. I don't like shooting in a lot of green. I like, like I said, the grays and the neutrals and the arches. Um, that is why I shoot a lot in Paris. I've really made a name for myself there because it just speaks to my soul and has the aesthetic that I want. So look at how similar these two are. A before and an after it's, it's about eight years apart in my photography and not that the left one is horrible, but it's kind of horrible. I have the, it's horrible, but it's horrible. It's horrible. You look at the horizon line, it's going straight through her neck, right? Yeah. Bad. And, and then the other part is washed off. She's too cool. Like you look at her skin, it looks blue. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, you know, I cut off her elbows I needed her to bring the bouquet down just a hair. She was holding it a little too high. Um, her dress is crooked around her neck. All these little things I couldn't see, but this is what gives you a profit or profitable portfolio. When you notice every single detail, then you can see the difference. You can see how I could start charging 12K versus 1200 for a wedding because the images on the right are all magazine editorial beautiful worthy they obey the rule of thirds they have perspective so you know that's kind of that's just a little bit to share but um yeah if any of your listeners can relate to that or can go back and look at the befores and after hopefully you got the sense but it's just those little minute details that i say make your portfolio either profitable or like completely forgettable yeah and what you were showing there it was so clear part of it not part of it almost all of it though is is one of um was skill and, and experience right like you're showing work at the very beginning to work now and just objectively not even subjectively objectively just like very a uh, different quality of work. I'm it's curious of how to determine from us, like if you were to, to take from a single session today, mm -hmm. uh, where it all has the same, we'll, we'll say the same quality, the same attributes of your brand and, and that like mm, refined look to it, right? How mm -hmm. do you determine out of a full session, how do you determine what goes into the portfolio out of that session 
uh, versus what doesn't. Are, are there a few things that you are looking for? And I, you definitely mentioned a number of things that you're drawn to. And I was, I was curious if you might be able to help us to determine a bit more of what that is. Yeah. So I have one little trick that I do. I believe you should include the same five shots, your favorite five shots in everything you produce so that people will see your work. Can you explain what that means a little bit more? Yeah. Help me understand that. Yeah. So I could visually explain. I don't know if that's helpful, but we'll we'll talk me through uh, a little bit. Okay. So you have five shots Mm -hmm. and you recreate them with every session. So one of the shots that I do, I have her hold the bouquet over her shoulder and I turn and make her a silhouette. It's a very classic Darcy Benincosa shot. If you see anybody who has that shot now, it's usually because they took my course (laughs) and they get it because it's not a typical shot. Um, The legs, crossing the legs, having her pull her dress up and showing the legs some hair. That's a Darcy Benincosa thing. Like I do it with every shot I do. If you find five poses that really feel like yours and you do them with every shoot. Now you'll do enough differentiation Mm -hmm. that people will have enough variety, but here's a trick to human psychology. People want certainty and they want to be able to identify your work. So the reason Van Gogh kept painting flowers and people love Van Gogh's flowers, there is something about the consistency of finding, I call it your like fast five, like the five shots you're going to get every time because it will start to build your portfolio and people will start to recognize what you do. Then of course you can vary it up from there. I always limit every gallery that I ever submit to about a hundred images and I choose my top 10. I think it's really important for people to get into the practice of choosing what is their top 10. And then what I do is I pay close attention when my bride goes in in favorites or my groom goes in in favorites, what they're favoriting. They'll all, they will obviously have more of a sentimental way of looking at the portfolio because they will be associating the emotions of the day. I have to have more of an editorial and understand what is my future bride searching for? Mm-hmm. Well, she wants to look gorgeous in every single photo, right? So you have to be really careful when I do portfolio reviews. One of the biggest things I look at is, is the bride or if it's a groom and a groom is the groom who identifies more in the bride role. Are they photographed in the most flattering of ways? And I have gotten on and done portfolio reviews where the banner shot is a bride in a strapless gown and they've taken it from like an angle where even though she's very attractive, like the, her back looks, you know, off, like you can shoot a back to look broader than it is. And that's a skill set you need to learn, you know, is really how to position so that everybody loves the photos that they're in. I love that. I, I, I really like the idea of the, like you, you said, the fast five. I think that's, I think that's awesome. And, and it's funny because the photographers that I, that I admire and that I look up to, I, I can now even go back and I can recount like, okay, yeah, these are like their go-to moves mm-hmm. that I consistently see in each gallery. When we're yeah. putting together, let's, let's say, I like how you described a portfolio, which is any image that your clients or your leads really have access to online. Is that correct? Am I, I don't want to put words yeah. in your mouth. Is that accurate? Something along those lines? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So when, when putting together like a dedicated portfolio, you know what I mean? Like the a gallery on the website, uh, you know, uh, something along those lines, how many images 
How many images? Uh, is there too many? Is there too few? What should the goal be? Yeah, there can definitely be too many. I would say on the homepage, no more than like 20, mm-hmm. maybe 15 at the most. It depends on how you're formatting it. The thing that photographers do a lot is they put more images than they should and they don't put any text. And as a marketing rule of thumb, that's a horrible idea because then Google can't rank yeah. you. Um, so every image you put does need to have like a description on it. Um, but I, I think if you can, this is the assignment, everybody, I'm, I used to be a school teacher, so I really love giving homework. The assignment is to go through your entire body of work and choose your top 50 images, make sure they are diverse, make sure they are epic, make sure that they have bride and groom or groom and groom or bride and bride, the the power of the duo is really powerful. Mm-hmm. Like so many times people do a banner image of just the bride because they've done it at a styled shoot or something. And people at that first initial look, want to see themselves. So they want to see, you know, the couple aspect, um, but find your, your best 50 print them out. If you can play around with them, show people, let ask people what their favorites are. Um, ask people who like art, what their favorites are. Don't just ask mom and dad, mom and dad are going to be like, you're amazing, honey. Everything's good. <laughs> um, so then I would try to find the, a place for those 50 all over the website at different places in time. And you also need a really beautiful photo of yourself because that's how people are going to first have um, an awareness of you is how you have your image out there. What do you say to the photographer who's maybe they're earlier on in the career or maybe mm-hmm. um, they just don't, ha- uh, maybe they're in a smaller town, um, something a little bit more rural and they're not having big epic things. Um, but they're wanting to move into another category, uh, of clients. Um, how do you help that person begin to create the type of work that will elevate them out of that space? Yeah. So this is, this is what the entire course covers in the first module. So I'll give you a couple secrets from it. Um, the first thing that I started to do is I basically started to, um, help my brides because when you're at that beginning stage, the bride's do not have planners. Planners come in a certain step of weddings. Usually a planner will come when the wedding photographer is probably in the six, seven, mostly the 10 K range. So a lot of those lower budget weddings, if you're getting 1200, 2000, they don't have wedding planners. So there are subtle little things you can do to the wedding and they will be super excited to have your help. Hmm. So, you can find the bride that wants your help and it has, has good taste, but not a big budget. You can do a lot. So what I did for a few of my brides at the beginning is I worked with a calligrapher to give them a signature, a signature invite. So they would send out the minted, you know, the less expensive minted to everybody, but they kept a beautiful heirloom quality invite. Then I could style that. I talked about like elevating it with like the French ribbon, you know, things that were as important to my brand. I helped them do mood boards for their engagement shoots. We chose an elevated location, you know, made sure we talked over. So it was kind of like you, you find a willing and able person, you know, your bride really wants the help and you learn how to help bring in these subtle things that won't cost a lot of money, but that automatically elevate the wedding. Hmm. So you kind of step into that planner role. 
on their behalf plan I did for for the beginnings like I would even build a a a backdrop for the cake so let's say you're in a barn or whatever people always complain to me about being in a barn I wasn't in a barn a lot but in Utah I was in a lot of lodges Mm -hmm. and I created this beautiful this is before backdrops were huge but now it's so easy. I create this beautiful plaster backdrop, like very neutral. And I would just get the second shooter to hold it up behind the cake. And that gave me a really elevated way to shoot the cake instead of shooting it um, by a wood, dark wood wall, which is not my aesthetic. Yeah. I remember the, one of the first weddings I worked with a planner, um, they had the cake and they didn't want to take it outside. It was back in the back corner. There was no lights on it. It was at this lodge place and they always do, did that. They're like, we can't move it. And I just went up to the planner and I said, there's no way Martha Stewart will take this wedding if we don't move the cake outside and shoot it. And that got them moving very quickly <laughs> because I knew, I knew what the public, I had studied the publications. I knew what they would and would not accept. And once you bring that communication in, you would be surprised that just the backdrop you choose to photograph people on or things or cakes or details um, make a huge difference. Hmm. That's wild. Darcy, where can people find you online? Where can people learn more about um, curating their own portfolios? Well, the awesome thing is there's only one Darcy Benincosa like in the entire world. (laughs) I get every ULR, I get every handle that I need. So it's just DarcyBenincosa.com. And I do have a free training coming up where I go over exactly how you can curate your portfolio. Those before and afters are really helpful because sometimes just seeing that visual, you're like, oh my gosh, I've totally done that. Sometimes we can see it in others and we can't see it in ourselves. So it's good to have, you know, do portfolio review trades uh, with friends and colleagues mostly. And then, um, yeah, the Profitable Portfolio is a killer course that really goes through how I built the empire from $1,200 weddings to consistent $12,000 weddings and higher. And, um, and how I got the publications and made the, the, the big leaps to do those things. That's awesome. Darcy Thank you so much uh, for being here with us today, Darcy. I appreciate your time, your information, your openness. Uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, no, my pleasure. I love, I, 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 what do I always say? Good photos aren't cheap and cheap photos aren't good. So I love helping photographers raise their prices and curate their portfolio and truly start letting those clients that want them to find them because the clients you want, want you, you just have to speak to them through the images you're putting out there. Love it. Good photos aren't cheap and cheap photos aren't good. Podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Uh, really appreciate you all tuning in. If you'd like to see the visual references again, there was this really cool to actually see the visuals, the before and afters. Uh, head over to benhartley.com forward slash mastermind. Just search for Darcy, D-A-R-C-Y, and this video will pop up. I can't wait to see you there or in the next episode of the Six Figure Photography Podcast. Until then keep showing up.